0: Welcome to the Cross Loganville's podcast channel. Thanks for joining us as we continue our series on Wisdom, a study through Proverbs. Uh, Good morning, Cross family. My name is Rick. I'm the next-gen team leader here, and uh, today uh, we're continuing our series on Proverbs, and I'm going to be pulling from uh, 15 and 16 uh, to contrast two very, very uh, different types of lives, okay? Okay. Uh, the life that is sculpted by humility versus the life that is sculpted by pride. And I'm not just concerned with uh, how life just turns out at the end, you know, with one uh, one or the other of those two shaping forces, uh, but the day-to-day quality of life when someone is humble versus when they're proud, all right? And so the way that uh, I'm going to define humility today may be a little bit different than you're used to thinking of it, uh, but I'm going to define humility as dependence on God. To make it very simply, depending on God for our sense of importance and enjoyment and mission and reward. And I'm going to define pride as depending on anything other than God for our sense of importance and enjoyment and mission and reward. Okay? So uh, when I was 23, uh, I was uh, starting a master's program at Southeastern and me and my two roommates lived across the street from the school. They were both seniors uh, finishing their undergrad degree. And uh, our life was uh, basically about doing well in school and finishing. It was not about making money at the time because, you know, priorities and whatever. And uh, But each of us were living in a house that was uh, one of the least glamorous places I've ever seen, Okay uh the three of us were splitting rent uh three ways and so we were paying 170 each and that may have been a ripoff because the house may have just been worth 170 okay the reason i say that is because before we got there this was totally against the rules but there were seven guys splitting the rent uh and one guy who just kind of hung out he didn't pay rent he just i guess they thought he was fun or something And uh, they, so we, it was a problem for us when we had three guys in one bathroom, when they had eight guys in one bathroom, I don't even, I can't imagine how they dealt with that. But uh, uh, we're pretty sure that one of them owned a motorcycle before we got there, and that one day they changed the oil in the living room on the carpet without a pan. I mean, that's my guess. That's why I think it looked the way it did, okay? And then the rest of the house kind of matched, you know, the quality of the carpet, all right? And so that being said, our entertainment budget obviously was pretty low. We had to be creative in how we were going to have fun. And so we rode bikes a lot. And Lakeland's a beautiful city, so that was cool. Uh, One night, uh, we rode down to a Domino's Pizza and then asked for it to be delivered and then raced the delivery man back home, (laughs) uh, which was... It was good for all sorts of things. It's a pretty good dieting plan as well. You pedal very fast when your pizza's on the line. all right? And uh, so when we weren't exercising, every now and then we'd pick up some Wi-Fi signal from another house, and then we could watch YouTube videos. (laughs) And so this one night, I'll never forget this video, because it was just a recording of a customer service call. And uh, there was a guy who called, and he was, like, unreasonably angry about how his computer was not working. I mean, this was over the top. He probably had a lot of different problems, okay, besides his computer. But uh, he's accusing this poor customer service guy of, you know, producing garbage, and you're a thief, and all kinds of stuff. And the customer service guy kept his cool, then got to the point where, you know, he asks the series of questions that you ask when someone has a hard time with their computer. The first of which is, is it plugged in? (laughs) And that set the guy off even more because now he feels he's being condescended to. What kind of idiot does it plug his computer in and yell at someone else about it? Mid-sentence, he realizes that is exactly what the problem was. And it didn't calm him down. I mean, it made him even angrier, right? And so remembering that event, right, between these two people, um, I think it's helpful to know and affirm that, I mean, computers are very sophisticated pieces of equipment. I don't know how they work. I mean, they're kind of amazing. Also, you are a miracle. I mean, just the brain inside your head is impossible. It's impossible. It's a miracle what's going on. Our heart beats and our lungs breathe. and We don't ask for them to. They just do it. This is very convenient, right? I mean, like, you are a miracle. The world that we live in is perfectly set to where life can exist. And if it was a little bit different... No one would know that it was anywhere different because we wouldn't be here, right? I mean, we are in a miracle, you are a miracle, and even though we are so much more sophisticated than a computer, just like a computer that's not plugged in, if we are not plugged in to the source that we were created to run on for our sense of importance and enjoyment and mission and reward, life is seriously malfunctioning. And every now and then we've got a few bright spots of people who seem to be, you know, having it together and like, I like you guys. You seem like you've got it going together pretty well, right, but the lives that God has for us is greater than we can imagine, right? And I think that if we could see the contrast, there'd be this feeling of sorrow for a minute, like I have missed out on so much. I've wasted so much time relying on other things uh, besides God for my sense of importance and enjoyment and mission and reward and uh, we're gonna be contrasting these. But I I want you to hear me, I don't want this to cause uh, despair. A certain amount of godly sorrow is great for repentance, but what I'm really hoping the effect will be in this message today is inspiration. I mean like understanding what a bargain it is to become humble so that we can receive this sense of importance from God and the sense of enjoyment from God and the sense of mission and reward from God because that's what lights us up to the point where others will be thankful for our lives, right? This is what Jesus says. Do your good deeds so that others will glorify your Father in heaven as a result, all right? So uh, in Proverbs chapter 15, uh, verse 33, it says, The fear of the Lord is instruction in wisdom, and humility comes before honor. In Proverbs 16, 18, uh, it gives you a very different picture of life when it's sculpted and directed by pride, Uh, that is relying on something other than God for your sense of importance, enjoyment, mission, and reward. And it says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall, right? So we're given two different options, and uh, it's going to take humility to be able to follow Jesus into the more life-giving option. The thing that humility does as we're depending on God to be our leader and not depending on something else is humility sets us free from the constant state of denial that human beings are in. I mean, we are constantly, uh, not we're overestimating uh, how wise we are, we're underestimating the value of other people. This is the worst part. We're constantly underestimating the wisdom and the goodness and the joy of God, right? That's the, the main loss. Uh, But uh, humility allows us to interact with things as they actually are, escaping the state of denial and being able to interact with things as they actually are, which includes God, recognizing his goodness and his greatness, uh, interacting with ourselves, with all of our weakness, and all of the love that God has for us. Uh, Tim Keller says that you are more sinful than you know and more loved than you could ever possibly imagine. And to interact with yourself like that, hey, I, I know I've got stupid ideas. I know that I've got patterns or habits that are pulling me back. But I also know that God is committed to redeeming me and redeeming us, right? I mean, that's how to interact with yourself as you actually are. Um, the most important thing we need to realize and interact with, this is the fact that we can build our life on. Eugene Peterson says that when you start each morning with the reality of God, God's here whether we're here or not. He was here before the, we ended up on the planet. He's going to be here after, okay? That reality, God, and our need for God. He says, you are beginning each morning on bedrock. Uh, you're not getting distracted by frills. You are absolutely living from the truth, right? And there's more to it than that, but that's where we really got to start. So the, uh, the amount of rewards that come from humility, uh, there's a ton of them. I'm only going to focus on the one the scripture says right here, and that's honor, okay? Okay? but I'm gonna talk about three types of honor today, and uh, your notes don't really include this. I'm not gonna be able to hit some other stuff on the notes, so this is gonna take a little bit of time here and the other stuff won't take as much time. But uh, the first uh, type of honor that humility receives is probably the kind that we've all seen before. Like we, when we read that verse and, and that humility comes before honor, all of us are probably like, I have seen this before, right? What happens is someone gets into a position of responsibility, whether it's parenting, or a job, or all kinds of different things, and because they humble themselves, that is, they submit themselves to their requirements. They may feel that certain tasks are beneath them. They may not be in the mood to do it, but because they submit themselves to what's required and are responsible and keep showing up and keep doing this, the natural result is trust from people. Like they're going to say, you can rely on this guy, right? And so eventually they, I mean, probably will get promoted at some point, and they become someone that parents can point to and say, pay attention to this, that guy or that lady, right? I mean, you can trust that person. They embody the values of the culture um, that we think are important. Now, uh, again, I want to make this very clear. Uh, we want to aim for that. It is loving yourself. I mean, treating yourself like someone you're responsible to help if you uh, have that as one of your aims, Okay. Um, And the reason I think that it's so important um, isn't just that it's good for your relationships and everything else, but because we really don't have another good alternative, right? The other uh, choice is for people who really uh, aren't worthy of honor, um, who we should not put as an example to get the honor, right? Um, This happens every now and then, okay? Uh, A few years ago, I was uh, talking to a fifth grader, and I asked him what he wanted to be when he grew up, and he said something about, Uh, a YouTube vlogger, and I had never heard of this before, and so (laughs) I said, tell me a little bit about that, what is that, and as he described it, I realized this is a, the person he's talking about is making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year just making goofy videos and like pulling pranks and stuff like that, and I thought, please aim higher than that, (laughs) right? I mean, I'm not saying don't have fun, but please don't tell me that like you're gonna honor this guy enough to want to do what he does, like that you've gotta aim higher, you're more valuable than that, right? And it's very, very easy for us uh, to pick on young people, for choosing people who aren't admirable to follow. Uh, but the truth is, this is not a new thing. It's very helpful uh, to know that in 1934, uh, Bonnie and Clyde were driving around, robbing banks, and killing police officers. I mean, these are bad people. These are murderers. And large parts of the United States treated them like heroes. 40,000 people went to Bonnie's funeral. So it's not a new thing when people are given honor, when it's just they're just... Li- Not at all. We shouldn't imitate them. And so our option instead is to be very, very careful who we give honor to, right, and who we allow ourselves to be impressed with. Um, It's very important. Uh, So, again, it's a good aim to want to be someone worthy of trust. I mean, it just really is. It's good for your relationships. It implies that there's some uh, health in you. It's a good thing. Um, But I I need to make this really, really clear. If you've heard me speak before uh, sharing my story, I mean, I go into length there. But uh, the danger with this is if it's your highest aim. If that's your highest aim, to be someone worthy of honor, to have good relationships, to be honored by people, um, it's tremendously disappointing, right, when that's the highest aim. We aren't built just to receive honor as good as it is and as much as we should become someone worthy of honoring. The point of our lives is to honor God, right? And this is what humility leads us into. Uh, The chief end of humankind, like the goal of human life, according to the Westminster Confession, is for us to glorify God and enjoy him forever, okay? And so all the honor in the world from people to us, even if it's well-deserved, will not hit that spot uh, in our heart that's literally made to honor God. So the reason that we have a hard time with it, the reason we have a hard time honoring God with our dependence and our followership and our obedience is that pride is blocking us from doing it, right? We've picked up a bunch of ideas from those around us Um, and we've just had a hard time uh, depending on God. Uh, But again, humility interacts with things as they actually are, right? As we begin to depend on God, we're able to acknowledge that he really, really does deserve to be God, not us, right? Um, Dallas Willard says that um, pride means that human beings were not pleased that God should have the most exalted position in the universe merely because of who he is. Right? And this fact, the fact that we want to be the God of our own lives and to choose what we'll trust other than him, Willard says this explains every single problem in human life, Right, to base ourselves on something other than him. One of the most obvious things that we've seen this in life is how stupid pride makes us. Right, I mean, it makes us not be able to look at things in a way that are good. It just it turns into stubbornness and competitiveness in a way that's, that's really difficult. Um, John Maxwell describes this attitude when he says, when the other person takes a long time, he's slow. When I take a long time, I'm thorough. (laughs) When the other person doesn't do something, he's lazy. When I don't do it, it's because I'm busy. When the other person does something without being told to do it, he's overstepping his bounds, but I'm taking initiative when I do the same thing. When the other person overlooks a rule of etiquette, they're rude. When I do it, I'm original. Uh, when the other person pleases the boss, he's a suck-up. When I please the boss, it's cooperation. When the other person gets ahead, he's getting all the breaks. But when I get ahead, that's just the reward for hard work. And so because pride causes us to be in this constant state of denial, it puts a log in our eye to where we're not able to deal with the way that we actually are and the way that God actually is and the way that people actually are. And it, uh, it's based on... Endless, stubborn, lying competition. Now, one of the characteristics of pride um, is that it is by nature comparative, like that's what it rests on, is uh, comparison of competition. Uh, Now, that being said, competition can absolutely be done well, like this is, there's so many ways uh, to get what pride and humility are wrong, and I'm really trying to be careful here, but the truth is pride is always competitive, but this is important, not all competition is proud, right? You can be depending on God while competing, and in theory, that would be humble, okay? So David and Goliath, for instance, they're competing, and the stakes are very high. They're trying to kill each other, right? And uh, there's like a big crowd. Like, this counts for a lot, Um, but David is totally aware that he's dependent on God. And I mean, you hear it because he says, he helped me kill a bear, he helped me kill a lion, and I'm going to overcome this guy too, right? it's because he has a history of upgraded dependence on God that he was able to remain humble in a fight for his and Israel's life. Now, this third level of honor um, that I want to talk about here, uh, I'm kind of nervous to talk about um, because, I mean, you'll you'll hear it in a second. Um, It can be easily misunderstood. uh, But in 1 Peter, I mean, the Bible says it, so, like, I'm just going to go for it. Uh, 1 Peter 5, 6 says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time, he may exalt you. Now, maybe it's just because I've, you know, heard of the prosperity gospel and different um, versions of the gospel that put us at the center and and that type of thing. Um, So I'm nervous when I hear that God wants to exalt us, okay? However, he does. He wants to. And when it's safe, after we humble ourselves, he will. This is what Peter is saying, okay? Now, the key is to be able to get in position where it would be safe for us, for him to exalt us, right? To give us honor. I don't know what all it includes, but for him to really vouch for us, right? To point and say, pay attention to this guy, right? Or that lady. Um, Humility gets us where God wants us to be, and that is in position for it to be safe for him to exalt us. Uh, Now, I think the way that we do that, the way that we get to an exaltable position, uh, obviously, is through humility. But I think the way that we achieve, or receive, probably, um, the humility that would make it safe for God to exalt us is to pay attention to the love that he has right now for us more than our desire to be honored in the future. This is really important. I mean, they're both important. Love is important. Being honored by God would be really, really good. But... Similar to this, um, air conditioning is important. I'm from Florida and I'm telling you, I love air conditioning. Life is tough without it. Food is way more essential, right? We need food way more than we need air conditioning. and We need God's love way more than we need his honoring. And it's because of um, the love that he has for us I mean, it is a humbling thing to be loved by God, specifically because he's the center of it. It's not our performance. It's actually fairly humiliating to be loved by God who is absolutely unimpressed with anything we can accomplish for him, and he loves us for his sake, not for us, okay? And so that's what uh, the process looks like, is giving our attention uh, to the love that he has for us now more than the honor that we will receive later on, okay? Um, Proverbs 19.22 says that what a man desires is unfailing love. I mean, we do want to be honored for a lot of good reasons, but what we need and what we really, really want is to be loved by God. And the good news is we really, really, really are. But there's a lot of barriers and a lot of layers of pride that we're going to break through in order to receive that love. And it's a long process, and we've got to be patient with it, uh, but it's absolutely essential that we, we get there. Um, the other day... Uh, Ricky went to the camp at Kids Cove, which he really enjoyed. And um, it's kind of one of those new season things. We've gone through the summer. He's a little bit taller than I remember. And so um, we're, I'm following him up the stairs the other day uh, to take him to his first day of camp. And uh, Alex, before she left, got us a few gifts. And one gift that she got Ricky for a going away process, uh, present was a crab backpack, okay? It's a little red backpack with a crab with like its claws out like this, okay? And the reason is because Ricky's in the deadliest catch right now uh, with his papa. And uh, so we were watching that last night. He's really into crabs. So uh, Alex gets him a crab backpack. And I just think this is one of the best sights I've ever seen is a three-year-old boy with a crab backpack going up the stairs. I end up at the top of the stairs and realize I've taken pictures this whole time. I don't even know how I got up here. I mean like my total attention was taking pictures of this kid. I think it's helpful to think about heaven being full of iPhones whose storage and memory are maxed out. I mean, there's everywhere, right? I mean, whole stacks of iPhones uh, full of clips of delight of God in you. I mean, he actually likes you. This is important to know that God loves and likes you the way a father loves and likes his kid, all right? There's not actually cell phones up there. That's a metaphor, okay? Uh <laughs> But the way that I'm following around my kid, not even knowing that I'm taking photos, God is paying attention to you because he loves you, right? Uh, A few weeks ago, Ricky got his first haircut, and kara has got this little memory book thing where you put the little foot stamp in the ink, you know, when the feet's that big. And uh, it's got this little thing where you can put a little lock of hair in for the first haircut. Heaven is full of human hair. I'm just kidding. No. (laughs) No. But the scripture does specifically say that he has a count of every hair on your head. It's not hard for him. He's able to love that much. He's able to pay attention that much. And it is letting us be transformed by that love from God because of who he is, not because of who we are. That humbles us to the point where it is safe for him to exalt us someday. Okay. Um. One of the best examples of humility in the scripture is obviously specifically from Jesus, and this is listed in uh, Philippians chapter 2. And so uh, what Paul says about Jesus, he tells the church, have the same mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Have the mind that Jesus had. This is Jesus' situation. He knows Uh, that he is in the form of God, he knows he's equal with God, but he does not count equality with God something to be grasped and shown off on earth. He knows how great he is. He doesn't feel the need to prove it to every person that walks by him. Instead, he takes the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has exalted him and bestowed upon him the name that is above every name. Now listen, oh, the key to humility is knowing who you are. I mean, it absolutely is. And when that happens, we are capable of feats of obedience to Jesus that we can't imagine. When you read the Sermon on the Mount and it's talking about loving enemies, we think, what in the world are you talking about? Not only could I never do that, I would never want to to do that, but when we become increasingly dependent on God alone for our sense of importance, our sense of enjoyment, our mission and reward, he gives you grace, right? Because God opposes the proud, he gives grace, or he gives his help to those who are saying, I know I'm dependent on you, let's work together so that I can become like you, right? Uh, now, this the biggest distraction we're gonna have is this pull, it's a deep instinct we've got because we've been brought up our entire lives to uh, manage our image. It's getting harder with social media stuff these days. Uh, we're, in, we're constantly into image management. We want to make sure that people really understand where we're coming from. And there's I wouldn't say that there's anything wrong with that because you do need to earn people's trust. I mean, that is important. It's loving to other people for them, for you doing things to let them know that they can trust you. Okay? So being trustworthy, again, is a good thing. But there's a big difference between showing people that they can trust you and trying to prove your deepest heart's desire for validation from them instead of God, right? I mean, you're totally dependent on someone else at that point for their approval, and then we're obeying people and not Jesus, okay? Uh, again, this is, this is gonna be one of the hardest things we, we can overcome. Uh, Simon Sinek is a, a guy that uh, does a lot of lectures to business people and whatever, and he, talk, he talked about a case study once where a bunch of different people were given one of two options, like it was a would you rather question, and uh, he asked them, would you rather have a $400,000 house in a neighborhood full of houses worth $100,000, or would you rather have a $4 million house, excuse me, a $3 million house in a neighborhood of $4 million houses, okay? So the first one is much less valuable, but it's way more valuable than the others around it. The next one, is less valuable than the others but it's worth way more than the first one. And he said overwhelmingly people always picked the $400,000 house. They wanted something that was way less valuable as long as it was better than other people's stuff. And then he follows it up by saying because we just love to be better than other people. Now, I don't think it's quite that shameful. It's a bit more understandable than that. I mean we should we should have compassion on the situation for this reason I think. And that is while To some degree, there is a desire to be better than other people. What's way deeper than that, and what causes that desire to be better than other people is the terror of being less than other people. I mean, this is really what we're terrified of, is being at the bottom third of whatever group we compare ourselves to, okay? And that's gonna be one of the biggest barriers to overcome if we're really gonna be finding Um, our sense of importance from Jesus rather than a crowd. If you trust in a crowd, you got to stay in that top two-thirds or you're unsafe. They'll reject you, this type of thing. But if um, we we trust in Jesus, uh, we can believe that he's going to take care of us in a way that's way better than we think we can. And our lives are rescued and set free daily to do what he would want us to do rather than to preserve ourselves. He's the key to our survival, not being in the top two-thirds of a crowd. Okay? David Wilkerson, is a, uh, he was a minister a while ago who did a lot of wonderful things. One of them was starting Teen Challenge, which is one of the more successful uh, drug rehab programs. And uh, he was like a New York City sp- uh, street preacher and did all kinds of great things. After years and years of ministry, David Wilkerson wrote this. And I think this is the key to being set free to minister with Jesus in more powerful ways. He says, Christ is the treasure. Ah, dang it. I didn't choke up the first time. Okay. Christ is the treasure, <clears throat> and in him we have found all that we ever need. No more trying to find purpose in ministry or fulfillment in family or friends. No more trying to build something for God or to be a success to be a success or to feel useful. No more keeping up with the crowd or trying to prove something. In him I have found what I'm looking for. Uh, my treasure, my pearl is Christ. I mean, this to esteem Jesus this much and then to pay attention to what he thinks of you, that's the process. You're becoming free at that point. Dependence on God isn't just because you have to, it's because you would want to, right? Because there's no better place to be. I think Nick summarized this idea perfectly about two weeks ago. Uh, I wrote it down real quick when he said it. He says, when I experience the goodness of God, I focus less on getting what's mine and I focus on sharing the goodness of God. That is that is Christian freedom, right? Now, um, there's uh, there's a few reasons that humility is so difficult to talk about and to take seriously. One of them is because we're surrounded and steeped in and brought up in a culture that doesn't appreciate pride, uh, humility at all. Like, pride's really the thing, you know? And so, I mean, it's just that's pretty normal for a, a culture um, that's not totally based on the Lord, right? Uh, pride would be their survival mechanism at that point. Uh, so that's one reason. The other, though, is because Sometimes we think humility is something that it's not, and we get a bad idea about it, right? So sometimes people uh, meet people who claim to be Christian, but they're really not, and it gives them a very bad taste in their mouth. So the same thing can happen with humility, okay? And so there's plenty of things that are called humility that just aren't humility posers, as Tim would say, all right? Uh, But I'm just going to discuss three real quick. Uh, The first thing that humility is not, and this is so important to know, humility is not self-hatred or self-pity, okay? Okay? Um, C.S. Lewis said that humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's not self-deprecating, it's not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less, right? You just don't have to as much when you know you're taken care of. Um, I really recommend a uh, very easy-to-read book called uh, The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness that Tim Keller put together. It's fantastic. He talks about how Paul would say, I don't even judge myself. He says, I'm the chief of all sinners, I don't even judge myself. He says, my conscience is clear. That doesn't mean anything. <laughs> I don't judge myself, right? Um, he, he lets uh, God's opinion and his leadership be the thing that moves him around. Barb uh, sent me this the other day, and uh, it says, self-pity is easily the most destructive of the non-pharmaceutical narcotics. It is addictive. It gives momentary pleasure, but it separates the victim from reality, which is exactly what pride does. Pride separates us from reality. It puts us back in that state of denial about who we are, who God is, and who our neighbor is. Um, So the second thing that uh, humility is not is polite snobbery, okay? Um, Snobbery is, being a snob, uh, it happens when we've idolized something, when we've chosen something other than God to be the most important thing in the world and have built our identity around that and then measure everybody else's value according to that standard, okay? And so there are billions of arbitrary standards all over this place, random things that people have picked to convince themselves that they're better or worse than some someone else. You can be a snob about anything, right? I mean, it can be about I'm a better um, athlete, I'm a better parent, I'm a better anything you can think of and compare yourself to everybody else. You know, the disaster of this, is that that obviously causes a lot of friction. It's hard to have good relationships when everything is a self-justifying competition, okay? Um, But also, the joy you would have in being the beloved of God is way stronger than in being the best whatever you want to pick around, okay? And so um, we say in CSM that the culture of belonging that we're trying to create uh, means that we treat each other as if you're, they're the beloved of Jesus. Them and ourselves, that's, that just is the most important thing. Like, if Jesus loves you, um, and he's smarter than us, and he loves you more than other people, and he loves you more than yourself, his opinion just gets to count more than anyone else's, okay? Um, we say that it's important uh, not to treat the poor like they're rich, not to treat the unstylish as if they're stylish, not to treat the uncool as if they're cool, because none of those are the standard. It's to treat everybody, the rich and the poor, the cool and the uncool, the stylish and the unstylish, as if the most important thing about them is that Jesus loves them. We have to practice that standard for ourselves, for the sake of our own joy, of course. Um, Finally, uh, the third thing that humility is not is weakness disguised as a virtue. And uh, this is the hardest for me. I mean, it's not just humility, perhaps it's kindness, uh, we've heard that saying, don't mistake my kindness for weakness, okay, uh, for a few reasons. One, we have seen an example where somebody really was just being kind out of weakness, okay. So it's happened before, to be fair. But the, the bigger reason, um, this, it got started before him, but Nietzsche was very famous. Uh, Frederick Nietzsche, the philosopher, said that God is dead and we have killed him. Um, hated Christians. I mean, just absolutely hated Christians. Um, accused Jews of the same thing. And because he was an atheist, his whole idea is that because there is no God in this world, we're basically like the animal kingdom when there's really just strong and weak. There's no good or bad. There's strong and weak. And so the strong are going to eat the weak, and the strong are going to conquer the weak. And the way that the Jews and the Christians have got back at the people who conquered them was to make uh, their conquerors feel bad for doing it, okay? So, for instance, he would say, there is no good or bad. Lust is not a thing, Lust is when someone who doesn't have as much sex as someone else uh, is jealous and calls it bad that they have more than them, right? They would say that greed is not a thing. What's wrong with taking absolutely everything you can get? Um, Greed's not a sin. Greed is an attempt by conquered and poor people to try to make the wealthier feel bad for having more than them, right? And so he applied that to a bunch of different sins. In the same way, he would say humility is absolutely not a virtue at all. It's gonna get you killed, right? And that is what one would think if we do live in a godless universe where God's project is not to redeem us, right? And so it's important because oftentimes, I'm telling you, sometimes I know I need to apologize. And my biggest fear is they'll think I'm weak if I do. I mean, they'll think that I'm thinking like Nietzsche. I'm thinking like this atheist philosopher who is, who's trying to convince people to stay away from Christianity, right? Now, there's plenty of times where I should apologize and I don't know I should. But there are times where I'm thinking they're going to think that you need their approval, their approval, They're going to think that you just can't stand having someone not like you. Like, all that type of stuff goes through. And this is the freeing thing about humility. It's not that it doesn't care what other people think, because you should care what other people think if you're going to love them, but it doesn't mean you trust what they think, okay? It means that you know that they do and interact with them as they actually are. Um, But it's not more scared of being disapproved of than it is not becoming like Jesus. Humility is is allows itself to be misunderstood because it's worth the risk long term. It's perfectly fine if someone underestimates your value because this is both kind of a good and bad thing. No human being will ever know your true value because we're not Jesus. We just cannot love you as much as Jesus does. And so just keep in mind, there's a lot of ways that you're being overestimated and a lot of ways that you're being underestimated all the time, right? And so if someone doesn't understand, someone does think that we're weak because they've got the log in their own eye, that's just going to have to be okay, right? Because no, we know who we're following and we know what his project is. Now, um, I wish I had more time to talk about more of the things that humility fuels us to do, but I'm just going to hit one. Uh, In the notes, you can see where it says, humility fuels you with grace, and grace empowers you to become an eternal student of Jesus. It's important to know um, when it says that God gives grace to the humble, your humility is not getting um, you grace. It's God who's giving the grace, right? It's not your humility is this thing that gets you what you want. It's the grace that gets you what God wants, and humility is how that's uh, opened up. Uh, I have focused uh, for a long time as a pastor on the utility of humility, okay? The usableness of humility, how it solves problems. You don't have to be a person of faith to believe that interacting with things as they actually are will help you solve problems, okay? Um, I've focused on discipleship for so long because I think Dallas Willard is right about this. He says there's no problem in humankind that discipleship to Jesus will not solve, no matter what it is including the witness of the church which must be redeemed right but i've always focused on discipleship and humility um, for its value in solving problems okay um but i think that even though that's very true and it does it eliminates a lot of problems uh, more than that humility allows us to be an eternal student of jesus in that framework right there being an eternal student of Jesus is the way that we can continually pay attention to God enough in every moment, learning new things about him all the time to the point where we can love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. If you love someone, to some degree, you are their student, if you love them. Um, The other day, I came home, and uh, Kara had cleaned the house, and she was uh, really excited. And I thought it was because the house was clean, but instead she said, I listened to this podcast about your personality type. And she said a few different things. And I was like, that is so true. That's crazy, right? But what meant way more to me than this information that was really helpful was the fact that my wife will listen to podcasts about my personality type so that she can love me better. I mean, that's a fantastic example of what we're supposed to honestly be doing for each other to some degree to really understand the differences between us. and But mainly uh, to be Jesus' student not just because of where it gets us but because that is the specific way that we can really learn to interact with him as he actually is for eternity. There's all kinds of things that we're not going to know about Jesus for a while in heaven, right? There's a lot of interesting things about him uh, that we will discover as we're his continual students. So again, I hope that um, you really use your imagination over the next few days. How would my life look different if my sense of importance was totally satisfied? by the fact that Jesus loves me? What if I was able to enjoy a lot of life because I'm receiving everything that's sent as a gift from God? Like it's meant to grow me if nothing else. Like some things are gonna be fun, some things are not gonna be fun, but I receive events as gifts from God to make me like him. And what if my life was really run by Jesus's mission for me and the reward of his character so that I could enjoy God just as much as Jesus enjoys God? Thank you so much for watching the message today. We hope that this message inspired you and challenged you as you watched it. Encourage you to check out our website. It's thecrossloganville.org. There's a lot of information about our church there uh, that maybe can help you answer some questions about who we are. And don't forget that on our website, we have old messages and archived series. So you can spend a lot of time there learning and exploring. If you have any questions, you can contact us via the web. Or you could call us at the church at 770-554-3322. Thanks again for watching.